Welcome to another podcast from the School of Economics and Finance at Queen Mary University. As part of a special careers podcast series, Experience Matters, you can hear from a range of employers of Queen Mary students and previous Queen Mary interns about what it takes to secure an internship in the competitive London market and why an internship is still vital on your CV when you graduate. In this episode, Priyanka, a graduating student from the School of Economics and Finance, talks to Godman Usman, founder of Gen Money, about his mission to deliver new approaches to talking and learning about money for young people. As a reminder to our listeners, this was recorded during lockdown of June 2021. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, just a bit about myself. My name's Priyanka. I've just finished studying economics here at university. Um, I've done a few kind of finance banking related work experiences here and there. I'm really curious to learn kind of more about your role at Gen Money. So could you start off by telling us a bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks, Priyanka. Um, so my name is Godman Usman. I'm founder and uh, yeah, director of uh, Generation Money, what we call Gen Money. Gen Money is a financial education platform, which we started for young people. And basically, we're focused on financial education, empowerment of, of young people and money management, financial well-being through um, understanding how money works and how to make the most of it for themselves. So we cover a range of things from you know budgeting to saving to investing, um, which we which were heavily involved in last year. And uh, also financial well-being in terms of kind of mindset, dealing with anxiety, dealing with COVID-19 and lockdown and things like that. Uh, and that's that's essentially what we do. We work with individuals we work with universities, brands, and uh, hopefully very soon we'll be, we'll be scaling up the, the business for an app. Thank you so much. And so you started this, but kind of, was there like a particular experience that sort of made you want to start Gen Money in the first place and kind of catalyze the whole thing? The way I always say that is kind of twofold. One was there was a trigger, but there was also this underlying journey for myself personally, but also in my community where I grew up in, in South London. My kind of background of what in banking, uh, I've always been a, a banker, I've worked in investment banking uh, and before that in retail banking. Based on that background, I had a lot of people in my community, this is going back 10 years ago, coming to me and asking, how can I manage my money? I've got this issue. Could you please help me? So it started from there where I would have one-to-one conversations with people and just kind of explain what your available balance is to the difference with pending transactions and how you need to kind of, you know, um, understand the two, how to better manage your overdraft, what a behavioral score is, how's that different from a credit score. So all those topical uh, one-to-ones have launched into what I'm doing with Gen Money. And the turning point was the PPI kind of scandal where um, I started holding uh, local workshops. So I was working with my local council so I can just kind of give me a little um, PRA call in, in the community where I'll just sit down with adults and young people and just kind of explain what PPI was and fundamentally why you didn't need to go to a PPI company because there was like hundreds of those at the time. You could just go directly to your bank and get 100% what you were owed. And so, yeah, it, that, that, that was a trigger and also the avalanche to to where we are today with Gen Money. Thank you. And you also mentioned that kind of you've worked in banking for a while. So I'm presuming that you're still um, kind of in banking. Like how do you find balancing kind of your business as well as kind of the commitments that you have to the place that you're working as well? Um, I would say shout out to Queen Mary because I, I'm an ex uh, Queen Mary. And, and I think what really helped me on the journey to get into investment banking, because I started in retail banking and I wanted to get into investment banking. And as you know, it's a, it's a proper leapfrog to get in. And I think the turning point was Queen Mary uh, and do my master's there. So, so a huge shout out to Queen Mary for that and, and the, the, the family at UMUR. So I did 
and just as a story, I did the masters there, and then on the back of that, I used that, you know, enhanced my CV, and I really, you know, used that. And I got in through consulting. I applied for a capital markets consulting role. I probably had no chance. I just thought, let me do it. I applied to be here for like six months, and then started another job. And then I got a call from them, uh, Capco Capital Markets Company, which is a world class. A consulting firm to join on the associate program and uh, they asked me questions on you know the academic side of capital markets and I could explain it from the academic side so that that really helped so the journey started from the consulting as an associate learning the skills of consulting but also industry um, how the sector works how different the front office works the bank back office the middle office our products works, our business lines work, so on and so forth. And I used that experience to then jump from consulting after about two years straight into industry. I then joined uh, BNP Paribas, which is a French investment bank, the second biggest European investment bank. And I joined as a VP uh, there for the corporate investment bank. And it was a huge leap because <laughs> I started as a consultant. What I'd realized was that there's a big difference between consulting and industry. And even though you're consulting, you you are the consultants, you're the expert for the bank. It's different skill sets that you have to leverage going into industry. So that was a huge learning curve. And then from there, I just took it a bit further to where I am right now, which is I'm, I'm more of a, a consultant for myself for, for the bank. So so I engaged them directly, which I started last year. I found that that would answer your question, better enable me with my journey with Gen Money, because especially I'll manage my time, I'll manage I'll select the type of roles I'm doing uh, and, and make sure that it, it helps with the, the work-life balance with family, a growing family, plus where I want to take my career. So that, that was a journey, being more intentional with my decision. And just out of curiosity, what made you want to transition from um, retail banking into, like, what made you want to make those leaps into consulting and then going into investment banking? So I'm saying the diplomatic and then the crude way. So diplomatic way would be more complexity, more of a challenge, and then the crude answer would be more money. <laughs> that was a difference. Before the retail banking, I um, had finished my, my undergrad degree and then I worked overseas for one year. I worked in a central bank. So I then had a really thorough training with um, macroeconomic and uh, kind of prudential risk, monetary policy, fiscal policy, all of that. So that was that was covered there from an international perspective. And I thought I could better leverage that in an investment bank. It was more closely aligned. With the retail banking, however, that's when the core what I'm doing with Gen Money because in the four years I was, I was at Santander in the retail space, I I was able to work in, in the most affluent area in the UK, which is um, Kensington. And I was able, unfortunately enough, to work on the pilot Santander was introducing, which was a high net worth, not full-blown private banking, but it was high net worth offerings, products on the high street. So it was a pilot that they introduced and I was part of that, what they call Santander Select. So I then got in myself involved working with High, high clientele, if you like, high net worth clientele. And the contrast was that in the area, you still had, you know, Grenfell communities there as well. So in the four years, I actually was indirectly training myself for Gen Money. I didn't realize it because you're, you're, you're helping people with struggling with, uh, you know, persistent debt, what we refer to, to uh, have issues or generational issues with uh, debts, with credit, with joblessness or on the, on the employment, uh, lack of skills. And I was very, and when I left, you could see how many people came with cards and gifts and stuff, because I went above and beyond helping people, not just saying call the customer service number, but actually explaining things, printing it off, going around, speaking to them, making extra time for them, skipping my lunch to engage people. And that, that was the X factor in terms of how you help people understand the bank statement, how you tell them to, you know, 
look at their payments, their bills, try and rearrange the bills when they come out, make sure it aligns yeah. with cash flows, so on and so forth. But that whole journey, even though I was trying to leave the retail space to answer your question and go into the investment bank, actually shaped my passion and conviction. Then money was born out of this conviction. So called generation money. They were referring to young people and millennials and Gen Z as generation debt. And I said, no, actually, this is a rebuttal uh, to that. This is going to be generation money because there's a huge financial advice gap. There's a huge credit gap. There's a huge, you know, house buyer gap for young people. And you look at tuition fees that's tripled over how many years? It used to be three a generation ago, you know, earnings have outstripped, you know, being able to buy a property house prices. So I thought we need to reset. We need to reset. And this is the this is the battle cry. Then money is the battle cry. Mm-hmm. So we're going to empower young people. We're going to do that for education. And one of the slogans we have is that financial education is more valuable than money. Definitely. You see that with people who win the lottery, but then squander it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It seems like all your experiences has kind of snowballed into kind of you becoming the person that you, you're today and also your business. I'm just kind of curious because you have kind of a lot of financial awareness in terms of like how millennials sort of use their money and things so what trends do you see kind of affecting kind of the banking space um, and like the retail banking space apart from kind of millennials themselves do you think there's anything else that's kind of shaping that space in the future oh yeah usually so the biggest trend we saw last year 2020 was the emergence of retail investors that, that, that was the that was a game changer there was this avalanche of new investors with young people but also broad-based New, new investors from the retail space, maybe because they, they had time at home. There was uh, a lot of market volatility. There was the, the, what we call FANG stocks, like the, you know, the, the big Facebook, Apple, Netflix stocks, which were the tech stocks that were growing and people invested in. So that brought a lot of new people into investing, um, into shares, into ETFs. So that was a big trend that we saw. All the trends that we're seeing behind that are things like open banking, which are enabling more participation from institutions outside the financial sector because everything was concentrated around banks. They controlled access to information. Um, but with open banking, you know, non-financial players like tech companies can also offer, they can, you can aggregate your bank account now with, you know, people like uh, Facebook or whatever, uh, Google, yeah. um, you can access that. So what we're seeing that trend is, it's enabling people to read information, their financial information in a different place, in a place where it doesn't feel like a chore. You don't have to log on to your app, your bank app. You can access it where you'd like to, you know, spend your time on, like say Google. So that's another trend. Other trends we're seeing is around the digital space, around uh, cryptocurrency, NFTs, digital art. These were things that were nascent 18 months ago in, in, from a, from a mass market point of view that people are not aware of so that's something that people are, are really have really engaged in have really done their research into and as you can see like the volumes for the i think the i think it's bitcoin or it has a bitcoin or period the market valuation is like more than the three biggest car companies in the world or something so it's, you have all these yeah. different driven by uh, retail investors the last trend i'll say is run regulation where we're seeing New regulation which has come in, which has put more transparency, more competition at the heart of banking. Uh, and as a result, that's empowered retail investors with the decisions they make, the information they, that, that they, they have, information symmetry. So regulation like uh, GDPR, for example, but also payment services directives uh, too. 
PSD2, which has also enabled more emissive tooth, which says banks have to treat return vessels with extra security, extra care and caution, and the products you design have to be appropriate and suitable for, for return vessels. So these trends we've seen, the four trends I've just mentioned, four or five trends, are really changing the, the retail space. Thank you so much. And, and I was also just sort of wondering, where do you see sort of gen money kind of going in the future? That's a great question. And I think um, I'll, I'll answer that with some advice as well at the end. We, we started with um, this idea of creating like a Netflix for financial education where people could access, young people or anyone could access online courses um, on, on, the, on this topic on, you know, budgeting if you wanted to know, understand how your credit report works, so on and so forth. But what we... That was my thinking. And someone said to me, no, it's not your thinking, it's what people want. So we then engaged a few agencies on understanding, doing some research and surveys, what the people actually want. What we realized was that people want, they do want things that are on demand. They do want options. They want a variety of things like reading text, but also audio. So I was, I was kind of on the right path. But what people want is they want something that is spoken in their language. They want something that is readily accessible and it needs to be fun. So, and, 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 and more importantly, they want something that's interactive. They want something that involves either discussion or forum as well, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we then had to pivot what we're trying to do, our business model. And where we're trying to go right now is working directly with universities because we're targeting younger people, targeting specifically students, grads, and young professionals. Those are the three segments um, between kind of 16 and, and, and 35. And we're doing that through universities, but through also employers. That's where we're going to go. So we're working with brands who adopt, who tend to employ younger people and we've been, we've been quite busy with record labels, uh, funny enough, two separate record labels um, with presentations on, on investing. That, that's quite interesting. They wanted the employees to start, you know, thinking about using their money for investing outside work. So we've done presentations around that. Uh, and then hopefully we'll have something around corporate, but also retail space as well, because there's a lot of like, say, grabs who enter corporate world, that could be law firms or banks or oil and gas, wherever. And there's nothing really on how to manage your money. So that's something we will provide us for grads who start new careers. And then the last is going to be around kind of retail space where a lot of retail, the sector was hit last year very hard with lockdown. Yeah. So one of the offerings that quite could help young people is around managing money and better in the retail space that, that sector was really hard hit. So that's the kind of model we're going to this year. And then next year, hopefully we'll move to a, a mass market where we'll hopefully we'll build a build a brand going directly to consumers and that principle will go that will be through an app. Oh, that sounds really exciting. So it sounds like this year loads of collaborations then. Hope to see you at Queen Mary. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. I need to keep amino on this and, and you and yourself. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming. I'm sure our listeners have found that really useful. And then if I was just kind of add to it, one of the big advice I'll, I'll say here, for anyone starting a business or a side hustle or you know something like that investing, is your first idea probably won't be the, the one you commercialize. It will go through iteration. And that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. You may start off saying you want to do something like Netflix, but you end up doing something like collaborations and partnerships, whatever it is. Explore that, embrace it. Don't run away from it. You will be, you know, you'll pleasantly surprised what it takes. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you.